Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. There is no Thursday night football here on Fantasy Sports Today to preview, but we've got a lot to get to here on today's show, getting you ready for championship weekend as Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And good afternoon. Welcome in. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish along with Joe Pizzatia with you here on the show. Sean Guastamacchia, as always, producing for the next two hours. Fantasy football content, fantasy baseball discussion, and a whole lot more. Can't wait to get it all started with you at Craig Bish on Twitter, at Joe Pizzapia 17 on Twitter. And, of course, Sean Guastamacchia is producing this program. And, Joe, uh, we are inching closer here to championship weekend. Pretty much at this point, I think you kind of know who's on your team, who isn't. The moves have been made. It's just like waiting for that cake to be baked in the oven now at this point. Uh, no games tonight, so we got to wait this out until on uh, Saturday. At least a day early we get to start figuring it all out. Yeah, well, the other thing is, too, I mean, I don't think you, you love the idea of the short week games with really good players you have. You know, it gives them another couple of days to, to heal up and maybe play on a Saturday or Sunday. So having the short Thursday night week taken out of the element of the championship week is a good thing. I like that very much. You get all the best players, you hope. And I know we got some more news on some more guys who will not be there when things matter most, which uh, two running backs, which huge blow there. And we'll talk about in the next segment, but uh, this is, this is it. This is that time of year. And this is a problem because we all know in the NFL, you know, when you're a team that plays fantasy football and you're an owner, then you have a lot of really talented players and you have a good record and you're basically whooping on everybody. Sometimes you're not super aggressive on the waiver wire. Sometimes you kind of sit back and you're like, well, I'm never going to play this guy over that guy, but this is when benches matter and you get into these spots in the playoffs and all of a sudden one injury can change the entire dynamic of your team. Next thing you know, you're looking around and you don't have an answer for the problem. And that's a big issue. Yeah, and we'll talk about some of those players. We've got Trust or Bust a little bit later. We'll play as the wrong team favored. Um, no Thursday night preview, of course, so there's no Thursday night game. Uh, one of the more surprising results from last weekend, uh, you know, some people think it was the biggest upset of the year. I wouldn't say that outright, but I, I guess it's probably top five where you have the Raiders playing in their final home game in Oakland ever. And they play a team that had lost by, I think it was 17 points or more, uh, four straight games or five straight games, something like that. And the Jaguars went into Oakland, Joe, down 16 to three, no less, in the first half and embarrassed the Raiders in their home park to, uh, to end the game. So that was the bright light in what has been a very t- disappointing Jaguars season. And they respond yesterday with the owner, who's a very passionate owner, by the way, uh, Shad Khan who seems to be, honestly, with all due respect to Mr. Khan, a little bit in over his head. He just hasn't gotten their offense going like ever. It's always been on defense. He goes old school, hires Tom Coughlin, old school, hires Doug Marone, which initially looked like a good hire. And then last night, the news came down that Coughlin, who was the uh, EVP of operations for the Jaguars, has been let go. And needless to say, I think we're at the point where this is probably a move that was important and needed to happen them to move to the next stage but the Jaguars have been living in like uh you know 2002 for a long time Joe they, they kind of need to get more progressive with that offense and hopefully this is the first start toward that and I'm sure that there'll be more chips to fall with Jacksonville yeah you would imagine uh, Tom Coughlin's had a, a great career in football I mean he's been a coach since the 70s <laughs> actually he started out as a graduate assistant in 1969 just to give you an idea how long Tom Coughlin's been in the coaching game or at Syracuse University uh, we all remember him uh, you know, between the, the the Giants years and being a coordinator, their wide receivers coach, being head coach of the Jaguars, being head coach of the Giants. Uh, he's a three-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, he's got three rings. It's a great career. And a lot of people were surprised in 2017 when they brought him in because a lot of people thought, really, he's kind of on the older side of stuff. But, hey, you know, uh, old means knowledge and why. So, unfortunately, it hasn't all worked out in the old school Approach really hasn't either in terms of personnel. Yeah, the defense has been very good, but ultimately the offense a couple years ago was their undoing in that AFC championship game. They had that game. They had that game. It was the play calling that failed them. And ultimately the Patriots ended up coming back and winning that football game. And I don't think the Jaguars have been the same since they've never recovered from that loss. 
And they've been spinning their wheels since. They spun their wheels with Blake Bortles. They kind of bought in after the playoff run, which I think we can all agree, Craig, that was probably, you could probably point to that moment as a spot where maybe that was the fork in the road and they decided to just go all in with what was in-house rather than make a change and keep trying to get better. Do you think that was the moment where basically everything kind of, they, they took a right at the fork and ended up running into a tree? Yeah, I mean, it's a quarterback league and they basically invested in a really bad quarterback with Bortles. You know, they, they let him go a year too long for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's and then, and then reinvested in a, in another guy like Foles. Yeah. And, and again, Coughlin in charge of that. And, and I know their general manager is also in trouble to a degree has to be, but yeah, that was, I mean, the, the problem is, is that as the general public, we're going to be wrong a lot or else we'd be running those teams. But that move in particular was one that I was, I would wonder even in a best case scenario, what they thought Foles would be, because a best case scenario with him playing his best football this year, I don't think the Jaguars are even still better than a 500 team because their defense couldn't stop anybody this year. So, um, you know, look, give him credit for Minshew, though. I mean, they did go out on a limb there and take him and he ended up being magical for a few weeks. And so that's a really good thing for them. And I think next year Minshew can come in and be one of the league's best backups. I wouldn't start him next year, but I think he could be one of the league's best backups. And the other question that you have to ask yourself, too, is as I think this through as I'm talking is, honestly, Joe, I mean, Minshew may start. I mean, Jacksonville may decide to just go all the way down. I know that Khan, you know, said that he wants to win and he wants to win next year and he wants to win these next two games. But whatever general manager they bring in, if they keep their own or if they hire a new one, has to take a look at this roster and say, wow, like we really, <laughs> we need a lot, you know, like defensively, offensively, we have like two playmakers on offense, basically. And uh, and I would guess that that's the way they probably should go, but that's that's where sports is headed now, Joe. It's like it's it's better to be two and fourteen than it is to be eight and eight over and over and over again. And I don't know that that the owner is going to do that. I guess that's yeah. kind of what we'll wait well, for. Look, you had a great season from Fournette, so that's a big positive. I like what I saw at DJ Shark. I understand some people are still a little skeptical. I get it, but I mean, again, when you look at a guy that's got sixty-seven catches, nine fifty-six for eight touchdowns. That's a guy I think you can believe in. So if you think a full offseason of preparation with Minshew and you bring in a head coach who's, who has the at least a track record or upside of being able to develop him, I don't think you want to lose hope there. I don't think this defense has been as good as it was since 2017. I don't think it was that good last year. I think it was overrated. And then this year it was overrated too. And, and you could see Marone kind of lost some of the locker room too. You saw the stuff with Jalen Ramsey and you saw some of the other things recently and it's clear that that's going to be another head coach that's on the block for sure. And I think they are a team that if they had the right coach and a good offseason and a good draft, they could get right back into this because of what division they play in. But the question is, who are those people? And are they even available? Those people who could really turn this thing around quickly? We'll find out, I guess. Yeah, what's going to happen this offseason is very evident, and it'll probably happen with several teams. I don't know which teams it'll be. And again, you have to have a special talent like this. But like Martindale, the offensive coordinator on Baltimore, is going to be a head coach for sure. Um, it's just a matter of what player can they get. There's going to be basically what I'm saying is there's going to be a lot of Lamar Jackson mimicking. There's going to that's going to happen next year. They're, right. they're going to be drafting a kid out of college, thinking that they could do the same thing that Baltimore is going to do, and they're going to attempt that. It'll be more than one team for sure. I mean, this is you know, I mean, maybe they'll try to make Cam Newton into that again. I don't know, but it's going to happen. I mean, you can't see how successful that option run has been. And again, Lamar Jackson, special talent, better than anybody that you'll see. But if you can get a team to run an offense as efficiently 75% of what Baltimore is, that's still a nine-win team if your defense is okay. Newton so, would be interesting there. That, that, that's, um, I didn't think about that, but that, that might be there's, – there's a couple guys out there. He's one of them. That, that could be something you take a shot on, you roll the dice. I, I don't think it's going to work out, but I can understand wanting to take that shot if you're con and you want to get back into winning and trying to win now. I, I get I, that. I, I, didn't we also talk about Foles' deal? Like, I don't know how they get – can they get out from under that? after? They can. Year? Yeah, they okay. can. They're going to take some kind of cap it. I can research in the break, but – Yeah, that's I mean, be. they're going to take some kind of cap it, but they're going, they're going to cut him. That, that is, there's no way they're going to hang on to that contract. No way. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. Good guy, too. And um, at some point, he had to go for the money. I don't blame him. And he did, and it did not uh, work out. That is uh, without question. All right, so we're off and running here on this Thursday edition of the show. As we said, there is no pro or college football tonight for the first time since August. Wow, that is a long time. August, September, October, November, December. Five months? Is that really the case? Do I, can I not watch football tonight? Okay, all right. So that's, that's probably a first for me since August. So we'll uh, get into everything else that's going on. We'll have some previews of the games. We've got is the wrong team favored, trust or bust. Plenty more to come here on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mission, Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show. Uh, programming reminder for those of you who have been waiting for these. I know that you have. Uh, no show for us Christmas Day. So 12-25-19 next week. No show for uh, Fantasy Sports Today. We will not be on the air. So just keep that in mind. I hope you guys have a good holiday. 
uh, but we will uh, not have a show next week. Also, New Year's Day, we will not have a show as well. So those are the two days you will not hear us. We'll take a quick time out and be back with more on Fantasy Sports Today right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First play from scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. And this is the opening drive on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia back with you here on the show. Hope you guys are having a lovely Thursday afternoon. Full-time fantasy comes your way, by the way, 2 o'clock Eastern. Stay tuned for that live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We'll start off with first down, Joe. And looks like uh, teams that rode Dalvin Cook all the way into the semifinals. If you survive that, which which was unfortunate that he got hurt in that game, you're going to be headed into the finals without Dalvin Cook. So um, where do we stand here, Joe? What is the latest with the Vikings? Because it seems very unclear. I mean, I'm seeing a report that says Boone is the starter. I'm seeing a report that says Madison is the starter. I don't think anybody knows for sure yet. I don't think anybody knows as of right now. I'm sure by the end of today, we'll have clarity after the practice, because I think there's some questions whether or not Madison's truly healthy enough to go. Um, but it seems that at the very least, we know that uh, Cook is not going to be the option. Uh, it's probably, you know, a risky play to even go out there with Madison, because you look, if, if you're thinking about long term here, as much as you want to win this football game, you want to make some kind of statement in the playoffs. That's what's more important. So this is an important game because it's a division rival. It's at home. Yeah, it does matter in terms of seeding, but in the long term, it's most important to get all your best players out there for the playoffs. Now, it seems from what I'm seeing so far in some of these local stuff, and I try to go on Twitter and some of the other, you know, the people who put on the Vikings, it seems like Madison right now is going to be the guy. But the question, I guess, gets to a point of, does that mean that he is the only guy? And I think that becomes the bigger question is if you have Madison or Boone or both, what do you do? Do you play Madison as an RB2 and you hope for that? Or is he just a flex? Is, is Boone a viable flex? If you just own Boone, there's a lot of questions here. I wish we had more information. We don't right now. So I can just kind of give my thousand feet view on this, which is if they are saying they're going to split the backfield, I would do my best to stay away from this. If they are splitting the backfield and you own one of them and you don't have a better option at flex, I would take a shot with both of them at a flex position, not an RB2. And if for some reason you do get clarity and someone says this guy's going to be the lead back, then you feel pretty confident you go out there and you just sit whoever the other guy is. So if it is if it is indeed Boone, then you go out there and you start Boone. And you don't worry about it. Same thing with Madison. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, when you look at this right now, you know, Dalvin Cook is definitely uh, it's sad because you rode him all the way to the championship. You got all the way here. And this was why I didn't have any for net or cook, because this looming injury risk of both of these guys was so large for me. I just didn't want to make the first or second round investment in them. And here we are. It's championship week. And yeah, I know they got you there, but you're probably going to lose potentially because of the fact Dalvin Cook is not on the field. But hey, your handcuff finally worked, didn't it? It did. Uh, Maybe. You know, we're, we're, Maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, you can't really say that for sure. I, I think that where we stand with this and I'm in this exact position here uh, playing in the championship, I guess I can. I mean, we can run through it. You know, really today for the final time and Monday, if we need to, that's the good that's the good sign for the championship. But I think as it stands now, Joe, I have Diggs in the flex, and it's going to depend on I think what the score is going into Monday night between me and my opponent, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think if we're if we're if we're down because we, that would be the only player left. So if we're down, we would have the choice to play Diggs 
or to put Boone or Madison in. And the good news is, is we could just wait and, and wait that out and see what happens, right? I mean, there's nothing else. You to can. Say. You can. Uh, I want to say the last time they played each other when Diggs played the Packers, was that the game where he had one catch for a touchdown? I'm going to go check the game log, but I'm, yep, uh, one reception, seven targets, 49-yard touchdown reception. That was the only catch he had. So he had one catch, and he got you double digits there in PPR. But it's definitely uh, one of those spots where you're like, wow, seven targets and only one catch. Now, granted, that was when Cousins was having all kinds of issues. He's been pretty solid since. I mean, Diggs has had a really, I mean, you know, four of nine, six of nine, four of six. So he's catching the football. He hasn't had a touchdown in the last three weeks, though. That's troublesome. But yeah, the fact that you can wait and see where you're at, I think that's certainly a blessing here. Yep, for sure. Uh, yesterday, speaking of second down, we had the press conference. Garrett Cole uh, officially signs with the New York Yankees. We knew this uh, you know, over a week ago. Has the press conference, holds up the sign. And Joe, a lot of people are saying that the sign that he had when he was an 11-year-old kid that said that he wanted to be a Yankee uh, they're questioning it, saying it was recreated. Cole said that he's held it since he was 11 years old. Are you buying this? Why would he lie about this? He doesn't have to make a gimmick up. You know, everyone's so mistrustful. Why can't we Why can't we just enjoy something in a nice story for once? Why does everything have to be so damn cynical nowadays? I get it, but this is the problem now. No one believes anything because the Internet is full of everything that seems like it's false all the time. And if Garrett Cole says, hey, I had this sign since I was a kid, I mean, what do you want him to do? You want him to, like, make a little thing in the corner? You want him to carbon date it? Like, what the hell do you want this guy to do? Why would he do go through the gimmick of that moment, putting himself out there for it, if it was false? Does he really think he was going to endear everybody by lying about it? I do like, however, that the internet then took it and then started to make other things on the sign, which was yes, pretty funny. That, that was funny. I like that. Yeah, yeah which you knew was coming. Like, as soon as he held it up, I was like, well, there we go. There's going to be a lot of things on that side. For the, imagine when, imagine that first start when he goes like, you know, uh, he goes two innings and he gets bombed. He was like, I'm not worth this money. Like, it's gonna Yeah, no, that's coming. Yeah, you're right. Good point. <laughs> All right. Uh, third down on Wednesday, Odell Beckham Jr. says that uh, he would like to be the Browns and, with the Browns in 2020. Uh, a lot of quotes, wants to see things through, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I don't know that he's going to have much of a choice, Joe, to be honest with you. I mean, there, there's got to be a team or two that'll be, that is going to be willing to take that chance. But Odell Beckham Jr. on the field has not exactly been the model of consistency over the last couple of years. And, and to reclaim his value, it may be best for him to stick that thing out in Cleveland. I mean, I got to tell you, like, if he gets dumped and ends up going into a worse situation, and I, and I suppose you could counter with that and saying, well, look, how many worse situations are there than Cleveland? I mean, there could be a few. I mean, there could be... You know, a Carolina, or there could be a Tampa, depending on what happens with the quarterback there. If he ends up in a, with a worse quarterback than Baker Mayfield, he's not going to be any better. Uh, no, it's that's certainly uh, part of it. Now, he's owed, let's see, next year he's due to make $14 million on that deal. So um, they're not going to cut him. But uh, in terms of dead cap next year, it's actually only $2.75 million if they if they cut him. So that's actually not terrible. So you could just... You know, just move on completely if you want to. And who knows? A new coach, because there's going to be a new coach there. Yeah. Could just come in and say, you know what? I don't want this guy. He's not the kind of guy I'm going to win with. And I always said, Odell Beckham's not a guy you're going to win with. I'm sorry. I just did not buy it. I always feel like he's that kind of dude that the more success he has, it's almost a detriment to him. And it's just, look, I mean, maybe he'll turn that around. It's possible. There's still time. He's only 27. But I think people forget they speak about Odell Beckham in these glowing terms. But when you go back and you look, he missed time his rookie season. He's missed time in other seasons. He's had a lot of injury issues. He's playing through an injury this year. So he has not been the the uh, gold standard in terms of health. He has no. not been the gold standard in terms of teammate. He's not been the gold standard in terms of just about anything except for highlight catches. And that's cool and that's great and all. But those don't win football games necessarily. So for me, if I'm the Browns, I move on. And if I'm Odell, I probably want to move on. And I think he's just saying this right now to make that whole situation a little bit easier for everybody to move on. Hopefully so. Uh, yeah, because yelling and screaming is not going to do this guy any good. Uh, well, this is the year to get out, by the way, because the 2.7 dead cap, that's not terrible if they do just part ways. This is the last year. It really makes sense for them to get out. Again, but the Cleveland would have to get back in on somebody else. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Is they going to have to replace him, too? I would assume that Cleveland is built to try and win now with the moves that they've made. So, but, but you said it's a good wide receiver class, right? Yeah, but counting on that guy in year one and, you know, look, there's a couple of guys that are game changers at the top, but Cleveland's not at the top of the draft. Cleveland's a mid-round pick, right? Or mid but isn't that where a receiver would go anyway? Some of these, no, not Jerry no. Judy. Not no. Jerry Judy. I'm saying not Jerry Judy, but there's a couple other guys there that I've heard Bogman talk about and John Lobb talk about and you talk about that could be difference makers in the NFL. I mean, Michael Thomas wasn't the first guy taken either in his class, but he was the it's, sixth one, but he's worked right, out pretty good. It's worked out pretty good, yes, but Cleveland is not a team that needs to get worked out in two years pretty good. They need to win now. They, they built for everything for now. They're going to take a step back again, go backward again. 
Uh, I mean, the, all the players that they have, you know, their their defensive players are all built to win now. It wouldn't make sense. I mean, maybe listen, maybe that's what they have to do: start over again for the 18th time. But I don't think that that's going to be the case. Uh, fourth down. Okay, I'll be watching this on Saturday for sure. Eddie Murphy returns to Saturday Night Live, and Joe, um, you know, this is kind of what started it all off for him, and made him to the, you know, one of the biggest superstars ever. Still getting paid a ton to do these movies for Netflix. And uh, my name is Dolomite is out. I guess that's what I'll probably be talking about and promoting, which was great. I ended up seeing that. on. Uh, was it good? I've been wanting to. I haven't gotten a chance to. Yeah, it was good. Really good. Yeah, yeah really, really uh, worth worth watching for sure. Good story. Um, what are your thoughts on this Saturday night? I'm excited. I, I like this. And I like the fact that it's the Christmas one, too. I think that's kind of cool because that's always a hot Saturday Night Live. They've done a couple very funny sketches. I don't know if you caught last week's, but the one where it was like the Macy's home sale thing and about, you know, like getting all your kids, the winter clothes that are going to make your life miserable. And that was if you've had children and, you know, getting dressed around the holidays and these clothes, it's the absolutely most hilarious thing ever. And you haven't seen it. I will send it to you after the show. But the um, I mean, Eddie Murphy is one of the great SNL people ever. I mean, everything he did was pretty much amazing there. I always liked the one where he dressed up like the white guy and he went around and whenever he was the only quote unquote, you know, whenever the, the one lone African-American or minority was not around, how everything changed. You remember that? Like the bus became like a party or like the, the newspaper guy was like, I don't know, just take it. It's OK. No, just just take the newspaper. I just thought that was one of the funniest things I had ever seen. Yeah, I uh, look his Gumby sketches, the Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. You know, those were those were. Ebony and Ivory was good too, right? When he was Stevie Wonder with Piscopo and Sinatra. That's yeah, uh, they, they've had a lot of funny ones. None, none that they could probably do today, honestly. So uh, we'll have to see what they have in store <laughs> right. for, for Saturday night. All right, uh, let's take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports today. We'll be back with is the wrong team favored in the NFL this week? Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Put your money where your mouth is and take a shot by opening up a sports wagering account with FanDuel, New Jersey's largest sports book. Go to FanDuel.com slash grid where you'll receive a free bet of up to $500. That's a free bet of up to $500 when you open up a sports wagering account at FanDuel.com slash grid. Point spreads, game totals, props, parlays, and in-game wagering on college and pro sports, and you're in control. Go to FanDuel.com slash grid, open up your new account, claim your free wager of up to $500 today. You must be in New Jersey and 21 years or over to take advantage of this offer. Of course, eligibility restrictions do apply, and you got to go to the website to see all of those details. All right, so this week in the NFL, we have a short list of teams that have short point spreads, a lot in college football in the bowl games, but not so much in the NFL. You may ask, why is that the reason? It's pretty obvious. Uh, a lot of bad teams play this week. A lot of bad teams playing against good teams this week. Some teams that are out, they don't care. Motivation is always a big question, and it's really hard to handicap those sort of games, especially early in the week when you don't know who is going to be playing. But uh, let's uh, let's try and, and do this. Uh, we got one, two, three, four, five, six games, five road favorites, interestingly enough, in this, uh, in this scenario, too. We'll start off with Saturday. The Houston Texans are minus three at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Houston is clearly playing for a lot. The Buccaneers are not, but Tampa Bay has shown up the last couple of weeks and played extremely well on offense. The question, Joe, is that Winston, as good as he's played and his propensity to throw picks without his guys, is he going to know where his receivers are headed? And is he just going to chuck it up and get picked off five times in this game? Or will it be the opposite? And he'll uh, make Perriman into a star this week again, and he'll make uh, Howard into a star again, and Watson into a star again this week. But uh, spread is three, Texans minus three at Tampa. <laughs> well, look, all those scenarios are possible, which makes this one fun standalone football game to watch. Saturday is loaded. 
I think this is a fun game. I think the Pats Bills is a really fun game, especially the fact this is the second time now they're facing each other in New England now. And of course, the night game too with the 49ers and God knows what Rams team shows up. So this is, is a fun Saturday standalone NFL slate you got here. And I think the Texans should be the favored team. It makes sense. The Texans are the better team, the more complete team, the better quarterback all around, probably, and uh, personnel-wise better. However, I'm looking at I'm looking at this, Craig, and as far as I'm concerned, it's hard not to like the Buck side of this game. They have played well. And maybe, you know, these injuries makes uh, Jameis Winston continue to focus a little more and there's less room for error and, and a little bit more concentration. But I think from the wagering side, the Buccaneers is the more intriguing end of this. Um, I'll, I'll ask you this question, too. I want to hear your thoughts on it. But also on top of that, if he does win this game and, and Jameis Winston plays very well, let's say he has another like three touchdowns, one pick throws for 300 yards. They beat the Texans here. Uh, does this start to really um, not almost change your opinion, but. How does this impact your thoughts on the Texans moving forward? And how does this impact your thoughts on potentially the Bucks in 2020? Well, I, I mean, Winston's got to be there. I mean, that's the first well, I'm saying, thing. Assuming he stays around. This, this they, 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 can't do, they can't do this and survive and win 10 games. They can do this and win eight games and win fantasy championships. But this is not, a, I don't think, a reality recipe um, for success. I mean, I don't think Jones is the guy. I know Barber's not the guy. They have to have a running back, and the previous regime drafted Jones. I don't care what Arian says about Jones. He's not the guy. They got to find Well, he's else. trying to do, you know, as a coach, you inherit something, you try to prop it up and do the best thing you can. Yeah, of course. Confidence. Yeah. And, then, and then when it doesn't go right, you go, okay, right, now you move on. Yeah, Jones will be a great backup running back. You know, he'd be Agreed. Great. great to have, like, they bring in a primary guy and compete or a drafted kid and compete against Ronald Jones. That's the way that I would do it. Jones, by the way, has been better than I thought he was going to end up being. I thought he was a complete bust. He wasn't a complete, not a, he was a bust, but not a complete bust, I guess is the best way to put it. This is a very fishy line here. Um, because I like the they, buck side of it, don't you? I do. And that makes me think it must be Houston. Cause like, how can I possibly go with Houston laying three points on the road? And it's telling me that that's the right pick because the bucks is going to be the, is the public pick. 80% of the money will be on Tampa. Is that true, or you're just assuming that? Oh wow! Is that the actual number right now? I don't even need to look. I can tell you right now. Everyone's going to take Tampa, the home favorite. It's for sure. Um, So you know, this time of the year, though, I tend to start changing my opinion on that and start just going with who I think the better team is going to be because it's not so much about spots anymore as it is about motivation. And because I haven't been on the Texans all year, I think what happens in this game is. Uh, the Texans win a very close game. That's, I think that's probably my opinion on here. Maybe a failed two-point conversion of some kind. I think some wacky things are going to happen. Winston's going to make some mistakes, I think, in this one, too. Houston can do that pick six and fumble return for touchdowns pretty quick. Uh, but I'll agree, and because Tampa's the only side I could go with, but it is a fishy line, I would say, because if I was to make the line, I would make it either a pick'em or Houston minus one, one and a half. A three tell is weird. It just it doesn't seem right. Uh, Saints minus three at the Titans. This is it is very easy for me. I will take Tennessee. There is no question. Um, yeah, Saints are coming off a huge win on Monday night. They destroyed Indianapolis. The line is telling you, mm-hmm. look, the Saints came off that big win. This is an overreaction. The Saints are not nearly as good on the road. They've not played nearly as good over the last eight weeks. Tennessee is very hungry. You know that the game is going to be close because they're able to run the ball. It was very close last week. It could have gone either way. I'm going to take Tennessee in this one. I My think only concern is Henry's hamstring here because he did not look like Henry of the last month. Well, if that's the case, I'd have to change for sure. But I, I well, don't, I'm I, just that's the only caveat here. Keep an eye on that and listen carefully to reports on Friday about Henry. If they say no, he was full participant. Everything's good. He's not feeling. Then that makes me. I'm I'm 100 with you. If they say he was limited or he sat out practice or something like that that would immediately make me jump off the bandwagon. But I, I'm with you right now. I think that the Saints are another team. Once they get on the road, I have no faith in them. That defense has been very Jekyll and Hyde in the last eight games or so. So give me the Titans as well. Okay, the Redskins are minus two and a half uh, versus the Giants. I put at, but that's not right. They're two and a half versus the Giants. We actually put both. So Yeah, well, pick one. <laughs> on the road right. It's um, like Borat. It's like, is that the versus? Is so many things. <laughs> six weeks ago, when Washington played against the Jets, or five weeks ago, I thought there's no possible way I would ever back Washington. And meanwhile, <laughs> this team has played as competitive as any bad team in the NFL. And don't even look at last week's game because that thing went right down to the end. And then a fumble recovery for a touchdown changed the outcome in terms of the spread. 
The Giants, on the other hand, uh, are coming off an emotional win where they gave Eli Manning his chance to go out, and he did a good job there. It is really hard for me to back either of these teams because I don't know the motivation for either of them. Washington is much better off losing. The Giants are much better off losing. Uh, because the Redskins are at home, I'm going to back Washington here and say that the wrong team is not favored, but I certainly would not bet this game on Sunday. I, I, I could. I, this is just basically content for a show. But I would I, I would lean toward Washington, but I I, I don't know what I mean. What is either team's motivation in this one? No, well, I mean, I think the Giants' motivation is to continue to look for the future. So Daniel Jones will be back, and you keep looking at Darius Slayton, and you keep looking that Saquon Barkley is right, like he was last week, and that's the big X factor here. Is last week we got the first real live Saquon Barkley game that we've had since what September. I mean, let's be frank, right? I'm trying to remember a game that we've had that was Saquon Barkley-like, and I don't think it's been since the very beginning of the season, the first couple of weeks. So having that makes me actually think that the wrong team is favored and the Giants can go in there with Saquon Barkley, who is the best player on the field, and make enough happen to win this football game and actually cover this. But I agree with you. This is a game I would stay away from. I am not confident at all in either of these teams, and they've earned that lack of confidence. The Giants, at the end, I think, have more weapons, although Daniel Jones will make a ton of mistakes. We all know Haskins can make mistakes too, so give me the Giants for the segment, but for the good of everybody else listening, I would stay away from this too. All right, we got the Steelers minus three at the Jets. Uh, Steelers are running out Hodges again. You know, Probably worst, worst quarterback in the NFL for sure. Um, boy, the Jets, I mean, they, they look awful too. Another one that is really But at home, they play a little better. You know, which is funny. That's that's the one thing about the Jets. You look at some of these home, like they beat Dallas at home. They beat a couple other teams at home. And you're like, ah, I can't believe they beat that team. Like they beat Oakland at home, and we never thought that was going to happen, right? We all thought Oakland was going to go in there, and they just blew them out. They have played better in their own building. Yeah, um, I guess I'll take the Jets, but I don't feel great about it. You know, I, I don't, don't feel great about it. it. <laughs> I don't. Th- what are the chances of of Hodges starting and finishing this game? I say, I say, like 30 percent. Yeah, probably so. Uh, but the Jets, you know, they 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 rare, you don't know when they're going to show up and when they won't. It's almost impossible to know. I think it's a better shot of them showing up at home. And I'm just really concerned with this Steelers offense. The defense has played so well. Defense travels. But that was also the same point where the offense was doing enough to, like he said before, Hodges there to not make mistakes. And he made a ton of mistakes last week. Now, granted, he made a ton of mistakes against a really good secondary um, and the one thing the Steelers do want to do is run the ball with Connor. And that's the one thing that the jets are actually pretty good at. They're really good against the run. So do you buy any Le'Veon bell narratives here on either side? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just want no. to know if there's anything. Else. Another game of jets on this side. Too. Yeah. It feels for a segment. I take the jets, bad. but I would very stay bad. away. Same thing for the next game. Dolphins minus one versus the Bengals. See, I like you the will- Dolphins in this one. I, they, I think the Dolphins after are last good. week they looked so bad. Oh my! Uh, I don't. Uh, well, they're still the Dolphins. They're going to Dolphin, but I don't know. At home, I'm going to take the Bengals, man. I am. I, I don't know. I, I think that they the Dolphins are now highly focused on getting the second pick in the draft. <laughs> well, it has. It, it has to be. It has to be. And um, there's really no spread here. Honestly, it's a minus so one. So you I'll think just, the Bengals are going to go win on the road? Yeah, I'm going to take Cincinnati here. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, the Dolphins, they're not quitting, okay? But the, the, the second halves of the last few games have just completely gone awry for them. And, um, you know, they've been benching a couple extra guys, too, per game. I, I don't know why, but the line tells the Listen, Joe, there's a reason, I guess, that the line is one. Because if the Dolphins were that much better and were supposed to win, it would be three. They're not giving them any advantage whatsoever. I think Mixon has a great game, and the Bengals win. Yeah. Well, Mixon has been excellent. I would say this, the second half Mixon, if anybody bought low on Joe Mixon in week seven or something to that effect, they've gotten a hell of a deal. They really have. He has been tremendous. And I understand he has got all the touchdowns in the world, but he has got a ton of volume. And I think you should feel very good about owning him and keeper in Dynasty Leagues going forward for next year. I think things are starting to perk up for him and his value. All right, final game. This is the this is actually a good game. Cowboys minus two and a half at the Eagles. Uh, boy, I guess we're both going to back Dallas here, but it does not feel good. I got to tell you, it does not feel good. It does not feel right. <laughs> it feels like it feels like the, uh, we're going to be disappointed and the Eagles are going to win. And we'll come back in here Monday and say, how did that happen? And oh, Dallas should be ashamed of themselves and they should fire Garrett. And we're going to do all that. But let's go ahead. Take Dallas. 
Get this I'll get it. I, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'll get to die on that hill with we're you. Gonna we'll lose. Take the we're going to lose. We're going to lose. We're going to take gonna Dallas. We're going to lose. Know what? But <laughs> here's the thing. I don't think anybody who watches the Eagles play can look at that defense and say that they can stop what the Cowboys are going to do. I just I don't see that happening. Yep. I've, just, I've, it, I've never been more certain of taking a pick. That's wrong. This is it. <laughs> but yet at the same time, you were few. But so what's keeping you from changing? Because the Eagles, I don't, I don't want to take Philadelphia. They look terrible. I can't do it. The, the Cowboys are the better team. And I am going to flip that coin and and hope that Dallas shows up. The real Dallas shows up. But I'll be wrong. And it'll be the wrong side of the coin. And Greg Ward will catch five balls for 180 <laughs> yards. And, and, and if Elliott's going to fumble for the first time all year, you know, like this is going to happen. They're going to lose. Eagles are going to go to the playoffs. Dallas is going to be the topic of conversation all next week. I know it. It's coming. But okay. Take Dallas again. We'll take a quick timeout on fantasy sports today. What should be your approach at DFS this weekend? We'll tell you. We'll go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show. Those of you who are knocked out of your fantasy football leagues may want to try your hand at a little DFS this weekend, both on FanDuel and DraftKings. And of course, Joe, I know that you are deeply entrenched in that and getting ready for what probably will be a fun weekend in DFS. Some players that we haven't heard of are in play. Uh, I'm wondering what the pricing is on you know Raiders backup running back, Vikings backup running back. Uh, Carolina backup quarterback. <laughs> well, I don't know if we want to go that far into the pool. Will Greer. I like Will Greer. Yeah, well, look, the one thing we've learned is some of those guys in the first start, that's the best chance, right? Allen, Locke, um, Blau. I mean, anybody who's kind of showed up in that one game where everybody writes them off, that's been the best game for the most part that they've had. But uh, you're right. This is that time of year where a lot of people are also switching over and giving it a try who haven't or getting back into it because they're out of other leagues. And um, it's something to keep in mind. This is the time of year where scoring goes up. Uh, the pay lines go up to 15, 16, 17, 17, especially. Typically, that's always the highest. So you have to take a little bit of chances and you have to have a high floor at the same time. And uh, let's start with the quarterback position over on FanDuel. Believe it or not, the best value, even though he's the most expensive, is still Lamar Jackson in cash. 9300 I know a lot of people don't want to pay for it. I understand. But I think this week, because of the things that you mentioned, where you have a lot of backup running backs in play who might get a fair amount of volume, you can actually get involved in this. You can play one of those guys at RB2 and another one at Flex. Maybe it's a Boone or Madison, or maybe it ends up being a DeAndre Washington. But those guys can actually get involved and help you offset the cost of Lamar Jackson. But if you look at the game log for Lamar, too, I mean, 33, 33, 36, uh, 22, 21, 37 last week. He's got a good matchup here against Cleveland as well. Last time he faced Cleveland at 26, but it looks like, you know, Cleveland's another team that's kind of packing it in. So if you're going to pay the premium, that's certainly a way to go. Now, if you want to go to another degree okay. and save $1,300, Dak Prescott's there too. Now, Dak Prescott, we just were kind of talking about this Cowboys game. That Eagle secondary, Craig, is just bad. I mean, it's flat out bad. He has so many weapons. Dak's been pretty good. I mean, he only has two single-digit quarterback performances all year long. So do you feel comfortable with Dak Prescott against the Eagles this week in that terrible secondary? Uh, I mean, the injury fact. Is, is there, isn't there an injury involved here that no one really knows about with him? Is that fake? Is that real? I don't know. He put up 18 points last week and 17 the week before. So he's putting up points. Why, would, not some, why would they say that, that he can't even lift his arm or something like that on well, uh, Tuesday? 
I, they, they could say that, but he still threw for 212 and threw the ball 23 times last week with two touchdowns. I will, I will politely disagree. I will not play okay. Prescott this week. All right. Uh, the next guy to tempt you on the board in terms of return on investment value is Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, the hamstring looked good. He was much more mobile last week than he was two weeks ago. Uh, things are trending in the right direction there. He's going to be at Seattle, so you figure they're behind, which is sometimes what you want out of a quarterback. And at 7,700, he is the cheapest of the three. These are the top three values, in my opinion, on the main slate board. So Kyler Murray at 77 pretty much has the same projection as as Dak Prescott. So would you rather save the $300 and go with Murray or would you rather pay up the $300 and go with Dak Prescott with the assortment of weapons and the matchup he has? Yeah, again, Joe, this is this is more about uh, I have my choice of 30 quarterbacks. And and I if I make the decision, I, I'd like to know what the injury status is. I mean, that's really the, the story for me. I don't like when a player on his own team is basically saying he can't throw or he can't move. So, um, yes, I'm going Murray if I had to make the decision now. Now, if if on the practice reports on uh, Friday comes out and he's full practice, full go, I, I would I'd play uh, Prescott for sure. But if he's questionable, that means that there's a legit injury there. So that's where mm-hmm. I stand. Now, the nice thing about Murray is you don't have to pair him. A lot of times you want to pair somebody. A lot of times if you think, you know, Lamar Jackson's going to have a good game or you want to try to pair him with Mark Andrews or someone like that or Hollywood, if you want, you think that Dak Prescott's your guy, you probably want a piece of something else. The nice thing about Murray is you really don't need to do that. If you had Murray and Drake last week, it was very nice. But right. you don't necessarily have to do that with Kyler Murray because of the fact that you don't, there is no favorite target. There's no darling receiver. There's nothing like that. It's week to week. It's something different over on the running back side. Chris Carson, one of my favorite values, even though it's 8,200, you have to pay. You're paying for those carries. You're paying for a good match up here. He's rushed at least 15 times in the last three games. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals are ranked 25th, allowing over a hundred rushing yards over the last nine games. So everything stacks up there. Uh, you have to pay. It's more of a cash game play, but I think it plays in tournaments too, because that same reason we talked about earlier, uh, Mark Ingram against Cleveland at 76, also very much in play. Cleveland ranked 28th in terms of giving up rushing touchdowns this year. Uh, also rushed at least 10 times in the last five games. So he's getting uh, a decent amount of floor in terms of workload. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. I'll put it to you. Christian McCaffrey, top of the board, 10,800 on FanDuel. Ezekiel Elliott, 8,700. Now, both of them had 30-point weeks. Can you justify paying up for McCaffrey when potentially – Elliot could have, you know, I mean, I understand the, the Eagles are better against the run, but if Elliot's going to have the kind of volume he had last week, this week, and they're going to ride that horse all the way through, do you think Elliot and the savings is worth it? Or would you prefer to play up for McCaffrey all the way at 10 K and then have to go all the way stars and scrubs? If, if McCaffrey gets 80% of the volume he got last week, it's not even close. I, I mean, it's stunning to me to see the way that they, it was, it was first down, run McCaffrey. Second down, run McCaffrey. Third down, check down McCaffrey. First down. Uh, first down, throw to McCaffrey. Second down, run McCaffrey. Third down, no pass. Check down to McCaffrey. Run. <laughs> I, I, I would, I mean, look, I'm not the expert in this field, but I would pay up for McCaffrey. Now, and Saquon Barkley's right in the middle. It's, it's just because, right. I mean, I don't think they know what else to do. Like, now, I, I, this reminds me of Tomlinson with the Chargers. <laughs> Right, like he, not Marshall well, he Falk. Just, Marshall no, Falk, they, yeah. they had other guys. It, can you name the receivers on the Chargers when Tomlinson was there? Like he, he basically Ugh, carried or caught tough. the ball every single time. I have to reprogram my brain. I'm sure if we bring him up, we'd be like, "Oh, right, that guy." But yo, you're right. They don't pop to mind right away. Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates was the other weapon. He was a tight end, so I didn't say Antonio Gates. But yeah, it's in terms of the receivers, man, that's that's tough for me to remember off the top of my head. Saquon Barkley is in between the eighty eight hundred. Now, last week he was just eighty three, so he went up five hundred dollars. Got a very good matchup. Uh, he is getting workload. That's very positive. He had an outstanding day last year, uh, last week. Two touchdowns, twenty four carries for one twelve. Plus, he also caught four balls for thirty one. So is Barkley. Uh, a better value than any of them in terms of what you have to spend and what you could potentially get back against uh, those Redskins. Yeah, I would, I would play Barkley um, this week without hesitation for sure. I, I liked a lot of what I saw. I feel like he's finally healthy and that would be something, somebody that mm-hmm. I'd have interest in. in starting now in the thing game. about Boone and Madison, who we mentioned earlier, though, those guys aren't on the main slate because of when the game is oh, but DeAndre Washington is no, so Deon- no, no interest. 
well, I'm just saying DeAndre Washington, 5,600. Whether or not you have interest, it's a matter of volume and return on give me, investment. Give me the other guys price-wise, and I'll tell you. Uh, at 56, uh, that's that's a different story here. So I'm going to try to uh, I'll try to span that out for you. Uh, running backs around that same range. Uh, we've got Devontae Freeman at 62 against Jacksonville. Adrian Peterson at, 50, at 65 against the Giants. And then Washington at 56 and Laird who's, at 55. Who's below him? Um, Who, who's where? Well, uh, well, Laird. Oh, Laird. Ooh, no, mm-hmm. I'd, definitely, I'd re- definitely rather play uh, Washington than Laird. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I, I If you're looking at... A guy like Washington, what you're looking for is, can he get you 12, 13 points? Maybe can he push to 15? Last time he had the full carry workload against Tennessee was 19. He's going against the Chargers. Chargers are ranked 25th, allowing and rushing touchdowns. Uh, I'll tell you who I like games. a little bit this week. You'll be surprised. Sure. sure. I like Gore. Uh, that doesn't surprise me because I can see the touchdown upside there and then wanting to grind a little bit. I don't think that's an insane concept at all. I think yeah. that actually makes a, a lot and, of sense. And not only that, but uh, Singletary fumbled on one of the last plays of the game. We didn't You're see right. him after that. You're right. And and to the to the extent of the only the only cold water I'll throw on that is what what's your total for that game? Are you looking for that to be a, a high scoring affair? Because no, that, not at all. No, I would that's, say 40 points maximum. And that's the thing. You're walking a very thin tightrope there. So in terms of playing against ownership, Gore is very intriguing because he could be the guy that comes in there sure. as low cost, ends up getting a touchdown. Maybe if you get your 40 yards too, you're at a 10 or something like that. It's a decent return. It's okay. That's all it's I'm 2X. Yeah, that's all right. It's, it's decent. It's, it's something to understand though. In week 16, you cannot do that in the tournament because you are going gotcha. to be far, okay. far behind. All right, let's go to the wide receivers. Now, despite the situation with quarterback and changing things over, I'm still going to keep rolling out with DJ Moore. He's got a great matchup against Pierre Desir, who is 88th, according to PFF. Um, this guy is just getting – he's got six targets in the last three or more games. A lot of people will be off of him because it's a quarterback change. And if we've learned nothing from the Cortland Sutton experiment this year, don't go off the guys who have been productive just because there's a change of quarterback because those guys seem to be – productive regardless and i think dj moore can be do you think dj moore can still be i mean i think uh, this is a different quarterbacking situation hmm. this is a tough one i i probably would have to go elsewhere for this one I, I i look it's not my money but if it was it feels risky it does mm-hmm. all right well let me uh, ask you these uh we got mike williams at 6500 and uh, over at keenan allen at 67 both have very good matchups. The Oakland yeah. corners are not good. I so who would guys. you prefer if you're just picking one of those guys? Williams. I agree. I'm going to go with a little bit of a savings. And I'm going to take Williams also. Williams looked very good lately as well. Uh, another guy to keep in mind, too, speaking of Cortland Sutton, he's got Darius Slay this week. And you're going to say, oh, Darius Slay. Guess where Darius Slay is in terms of PFF grade overall? He's at no 70th. 70th overall this year. So this this fallacy that Darius Slay is still the shutdown corner he used to be, it's just not true. Uh, the other guy, too, at 6,500 in terms of a value return, a guy we talked about who has more PPR points than Odell Beckham, Terry McLaurin, facing DeAndre Baker, who's the 95th-ranked corner. And we all know that Terry McLaurin can still get it done. Uh, the guy has a fair amount of upside. It's a tournament play because of the fact Dwayne Haskins still has a little bit of variable in there, but the Giants, Craig, are not a good football team, and I think TMC is in play once again this week. Yeah, that sounds reasonable for sure. All right, let's let's move over to the tight ends. We mentioned earlier if um, if our guy Lamar Jackson's the top of the cash board, and you look in a pair, it's crazy not to go with Andrews because Andrews is still sixty five hundred. It's not like a premium, impossible price for the floor at tight end, so that's a good one too. Ertz is expensive this week; he's at sixty nine. Uh, and I'm going to ask you, would you rather have Andrews at 65 against Cleveland or Zach Ertz against Dallas at 69, knowing that Wentz's, you know, uh, ability to throw to anybody else is kind of limited right now with the injuries? I think it's a, it's a coin flip for me. Andrews is so heavily involved in the offense, but at this point, not having any other options, you know that Wentz is going to go to Ertz. So um, flip a coin for me. Um, I could go either way. All right. I think Austin Hooper's a trap this week. I don't think he's really healthy. Uh, he's come back and he's only put up four points in his last two games. It just seems like he tried his best to kind of come back and soldier through and he just doesn't look like the same guy. So even though he's cheap at 6K, I would pass. Last week, favorite tight end return on investment was Darren Waller on the show. He came back with a 16 
uh, points off of a 6.2 salary. That's a very good day. We like that for sure. And I want to remind everybody about the value tight ends of Jacob Hollister at 57. He's been a little quiet lately, but what do we know about Arizona, Craig? They cannot guard the tight end. The worst team in NFL football against the tight end. The most touchdowns by tight ends are against Arizona. So Jacob Hollister for 57 on Fandle is a great value. I like it. I like it. Um, And good luck to all of you who are playing in DFS this week. Go back and rewind. If you missed any of this segment, you can hear who to play in your DFS tournaments and in cash games as well. That'll do it for the first hour. We've got the best of coming up next. It's a quick two-minute segment highlighting what we did in the first hour in case you missed it. Then we'll be back for our second hour of the show, touching on some MLB free agency. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. Minshew may start. I mean, Jacksonville may decide to just go all the way down. I know that Con, you know, said that he wants to win, and he wants to win next year, and he wants to win these next two games. But whatever general manager they bring in, if they keep their own or if they hire a new one, has to take a look at this roster and say, wow, like we really, <laughs> we need a lot. You know, like defensively, offensively, we have like two playmakers on offense, basically. And uh, and I would guess that that's the way they probably should go. But that's that's where sports is headed now, Joe. It's like it's it's better to be two and fourteen than it is to be eight and eight over and over and over again. And I don't know that that the owner is going to do that. I guess that's yeah. kind of what we'll wait. Well, for. look, you had a great season from Fournette, so that's a big positive. I like what I saw at DJ Shark. I understand some people are still a little skeptical. I get it, but I mean, again, when you look at a guy that's got sixty-seven catches, nine fifty-six for eight touchdowns, that's a guy I think you can believe in. So if you think a full off-season of preparation with Minshew and you bring in a head coach who's who has the at least a track record or upside of being able to develop him. I don't think you want to lose hope there. I don't think this defense has been as good as it was since 2017. I don't think it was that good last year. I think it was overrated. And then this year it was overrated too. And, and you could see Marone kind of lost some of the locker room too. You saw the stuff with Jalen Ramsey and you saw some of the other things recently. And it's clear that that's going to be another head coach that's on the block for sure. And I think they are a team that if they had the right coach and a good offseason and a good draft, they could get right back into this because of what division they play in. But the question is, who are those people? And are they even available? Those people who could really turn this thing around quickly? We'll find out, I guess. 